What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to the Window Canada Sports Betting Podcast. The March Madness Podcast presented by Cool Bet continues. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, the good bets, the bad beats, and the ugly losses from the predictably unpredictable first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Sheldon Alexander drops in to discuss the Midwest and South regions swimming downstream with Syracuse, the Cade conundrum, and misseeding the tournament leading to too much too soon. Then Ted Ballantyne brings his take of the East and West regions. Can anyone beat Gonzaga? Maybe. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell, and we'll get deep into a recap of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament here in a second with Sheldon Alexander and Ted Ballantyne. But before we get to that, just want to talk about the record. Uh, you know, we got to always got to do the record, right? Got to check the record. Uh, again, this podcast isn't about records, even though, you know, listen, it ends up being pretty good. Uh, more often than not, successful seasons in you know hockey, football, college basketball, regular season, college basketball, conference season, and now the tournament. And you know, fifteen and seven on you know essentially the best bets given out on this podcast. Eighteen and eight if you want to go a little bit further uh, with regards to talking about other games that I like that weren't necessarily even best bets. Those include like North Carolina for example, wasn't a best bet on that first day, was still a bet that I made, so has to be counted in the loss column in the same way that the wins have to be counted in the wins column. So whether it's 15 and 7 or 18 and 8 at the end of the day, that's in the high 60%. That is certainly something we would take every single time. And if you're new to the podcast, you're new to sports betting, maybe, you know, whether it's the cool bet promotion that got you into this or whatever, you know, the understanding is like, you know, manage your expectations. Don't overbet. Um, both from a unit size standpoint, right? Keep it within the one and a half, two percent type uh, area to your bankroll. Um, and then just don't bet every game. Just don't do it. And so whether it's, you know, this small sample size of 15 and seven or 18 and eight, you know, being 22 out of uh, the 47 games that have been played so far in the NCAA tournament, not counting the first four, you know, or, you know, 26, if we're talking about the 18 and 8, 26 out of 47. So, you know, we're in that, like, just more than 500, uh, more than 50% type of a range there for volume. So just because there's 47 games, hope you know, most years, 48 games at this point, um, or even 52 if you're counting those first four games, doesn't mean you have to bet them all. And, you know, find your area, find your range. And we've talked about this with regards to, like, Saturdays in college basketball, where it's like, okay, what's the right number of games to bet on a full college basketball slate? Where there's certainly a possibility to bet 30-some-odd games. And we sort of found this season that, you know, 16, 14 was sort of the right amount. And anytime we would sort of bet less than that, anytime we'd get into like a 10 or 11, we were often cutting games that would be winners. And then when we would get a little bit further deep into it, when we go to 18, 1920 we found our way to a lot of nine and nine and ten and ten now obviously that varies from season to season it varies from day to day and then sort of cutting off what you deem to be a game that is worth betting because in college basketball especially during the regular season and even now like there's nit games you know there's what the other tournaments cbi or cit i think one of them's canceled but the other one's getting played these games are all possible to be bet on it's you know and it's no different than on a saturday where you could bet 
the Southland. You could get in on an Abilene Christian game in the middle of February. We just don't because we don't know that much about those teams and what's going on in the regular season. Certainly not this year. And so hopefully this sort of gives you an idea of the right amount to bet. But it's a personal thing. Right. If you bet too few, you're usually, you know, usually means you're picking the games that you absolutely love. But that has a tendency to mean it's a game that a lot of people love. And maybe you're not getting the best number that you could be getting. And then when you go too far, now you're getting into games where you just only sort of like them. And, you know, you're doing it just because you, you know, the game's on TV and you want to watch and you want to have something on that. And I completely understand that. But it's why there's a bunch of different stuff here with college basketball and March Madness, where it's like you can play Survivor, you can play in a bracket pool, and that should mean that you don't have to bet every single game. So, you know, of our losses, and I'll include the North Carolina game, you know, you had a Baylor game that we'll talk about here in a second with Sheldon Alexander as one of the worst bets, uh, worst beats, I should say, that we took this far in the tournament. And there hasn't been that many truly horrific or bad beats so far in the tournament. And I don't have any reason necessarily why that is. Obviously, there's been a fair amount of blowouts, which obviously takes stuff, you know, takes away from uh, a point spread unless it's a one versus 16 seed. And of course, that was the Baylor bad beat. You've had one overtime game, to my knowledge, Virginia Tech, which of course we were on the wrong side of. So between the Baylor late game finish and the Virginia Tech one, you know, we probably should have had a better, you know, first day to the tournament. North Carolina was never close. Uh, Florida State, we had them minus 10, they lose, uh, excuse me, minus 10 and a half, they win by 10, losing this point spread bet by a half point, and so you go, okay, that sucks, uh, I talked to you, know, yesterday or the day before about Missouri, Oklahoma, just being a dumb decision to flip from Oklahoma to Missouri, just based on one player being out due to COVID, uh, and then BYU had way too much faith in that team, that was just a purely bad decision from sort of start to finish, um, Colorado yesterday, um, you know, disappointing, uh, incredible college basketball. You know, one day you're amazing, the next day you're not, um, you know, is what that is. And then Texas Tech against Arkansas, another sort of late game. Are we going to, you know, get a layup here to win the game, to tie the game, to force overtime potentially? You know, free throws as well were an issue there, uh, you know, on top of that. And so you're just sitting there going like, wow, Virginia Tech going overtime, Texas Tech not being able to get a layup. You know, we'll talk about the UCSB, you know, being something that would have been awesome to get a money line win for a team that I felt like should have beaten Creighton and so you just go oh like that's that's kind of a drag uh and then Ohio yesterday you know a situation where just probably a really bad matchup for Ohio looking back on it you know you've got a team that um not very good defensively and that you can get away with that against you know Virginia who you know plays at a pace where they'll keep you in the game and if something goes wrong for them it's going to go big time wrong um, and then, you know, I don't think it was like they were necessarily exhausted by any means, but like Creighton's a team that can play offensively. And so when they pick up that pace and they play a different style of game that Virginia plays, it's going to get Ohio into some trouble. And obviously, um, what Jason Preston, not very good in that game either. So a little bit disappointing from that standpoint. So that's all like dwelling on the losses. Of course, the wins were essentially double that a little bit more than double that which is an incredibly great start to this tournament. It's not a great start, as we talked about yesterday, you know, two days ago. You know, tournament was half over after the first round, and now it is, you know, more than, you know, three quarters over at this point. And so we only have, you know, obviously round of 16, eight more games there, four more games there, you know, three, so whatever. And now we're down to like, what, 15 games left in this tournament, hopefully. And, 
you know, how many games are we going to have to bet on here from an against the spread standpoint going forward? And the answer to that is, you know, probably seven, eight, you know, we'll do something fun for the final four. We have to, you know, obligated to have a bet on the national championship game. That's just the way that works, you know, from a recreational standpoint, more than sort of a trying to make money standpoint. And maybe it ends up being a situation where there's some actual value in that championship game. Of course, we won't know until we get there. And so, um, you know, a successful tournament. And it's going to be hard to kind of screw this up at this point, whether it was the Moneyline Parlay that boosted up our units total here um, or some futures that we have that are really interesting that are going to probably keep um, our betting from a game-to-game standpoint down a little bit. And I use, you know, USC and Oregon as sort of the main example for that. That game's going to be about a pick I think USC probably ends up as a small favorite in that game. But you know, I don't need to bet that game. If you've been following along with the podcast, you have USC 19 to 1 to win the region. We're two steps away from there. And obviously the big hurdle is going to be Gonzaga in the next round. And make no mistake, they are going to be in the regional final. Uh, they are going to beat Creighton. Um, you know, or you have Oregon, either national title futures at 70 to 1 from earlier on this year, or even the regional futures for at 14 to 1. Uh, from just a couple of months ago obviously a bad break that they end up in Gonzaga's region for those but USC and Oregon I'll just be sitting back you know throw some popcorn on and just kind of watch and see whichever team wins and then that's going to be our representative for the one shot to take down Gonzaga before they make the final four and that's okay and so that sets us up nicely where we're either going to have 14 to 1 or 19 to 1 going into that game against Gonzaga. Uh, and then, you know, bottom right, uh, Syracuse, 40 to 1 to win the region, gave that out on Friday's show. And that's obviously very interesting. I don't know that Houston is a team that you need to be afraid of necessarily. There might be worth a point spread bet on the Cuse in that game. So maybe that doesn't sort of save us from any uh, from anything there. And then the Bama win yesterday. Um you know, kind of a low key, um, you know, weekend for Alabama, thankfully. I mean, you don't want a high key weekend when you're a two seed in that first weekend, but you know, they get all they can handle from Iona and then pull away the last 10 minutes, which is, you know, when you're the better team, you're supposed to do that. And, you know, they don't cover the spread necessarily, but like it was pretty easy and never really all that sweaty, really more just interesting to see Iona kind of hang in there as long as they possibly could. But the key game yesterday, obviously not getting tripped up by Maryland and they played outstanding. The defense was on point. The three point shooting was exactly what we want out of Alabama. Now, you know, I'd be a little bit more worried about this if this was the type of thing that, you know, they had a game in two days, like Colorado, where they shoot the lights out and then have to come back and sort of replicate that. I kind of like that they have, you know, four or five days here to, you know, you know, recharge or however you want to put it, where it's not, you're not going to get the regression tomorrow type of a thing. And obviously, you know, UCLA is kind of the best we could possibly hope for out of that bracket. So, you know, I like where we are with the Alabama futures. I won't, you know, feel the need to bet that game against UCLA. I will just be riding that futures as that becomes, you know, that now becomes essentially the one unit bet here, right? That one unit bet that if we lose that unit, okay, we lost that bet, but we're going to ride that sort of as far as we possibly can and maybe look to make some decisions about that in the regional final. So this is, you know, where it finally comes down to that. Um, on Sunday, so I'll have that game circled as the most important game for my uh, for my purposes. Uh, in that one, you know, we'll be able to bet Michigan and Florida State without sort of any you know consideration for futures elements or anything along those lines. Um, Gonzaga and Creighton, obviously, we'll dig into that point spread as we'll need to. Um, 
you know, Baylor and Villanova game that's going to be interesting to dig into from a standpoint of like, do we trust, you know, Villanova as, you know, preparation. We always talk about Jay Wright and the preparation. Um, and then Purdue, excuse me, not Purdue, um, looking at the uh, at that region, um, Arkansas and Oral Roberts. You know, again, not a great matchup, you know, 11 and a half point spread. Like, is that going to be particularly fun to bet on? That feels like a game that we could totally pass on. Uh, maybe take Arkansas. Not Maybe we're definitely taking Arkansas in Survivor in that one. And then you get into, you know, the Qs, like I said, probably could, you know, worth an underdog bet there, plus six, something along those lines. Uh, and then have to dig in a little bit deeper here with Loyola Chicago and Oregon State as, uh, as a game worth potentially betting. So there's certainly a bunch of games that we could pass on in this next group of eight um, but we'll try to find three or four that we can bet on against the spread and then otherwise we'll just let futures ride and bracket stuff and all of that stuff survivor of course you have to factor that in so um let's do a little recap of uh, of what we saw this past weekend a lot to talk about and what we're going to do is we're going to do sort of the good bad and ugly i know it's trite i know it's cliche but i think it works out right we did a lot of good stuff when it comes to this tournament um so we want to kind of highlight that uh the best stuff that we did in the region there was a couple of bad beats nothing you know nothing full-on atrocities um but whether it was us or whether it was other you know people if you will there were bad beats in this tournament so far again nothing crazy and then ugly the stuff that we messed up the stuff that you know wasn't particularly pretty a lot of blowout games some going our favor some not so we're going to discuss that with sheldon alexander we're going to do the south and midwest with him and then with ted ballantyne we're going to do the east and west all right he's back to recap the first weekend of march madness we often have him on on mondays after sunday nfl chaos but now we've got a little hoops chaos a little madness if you will sheldon alexander of the on blast podcast network is here to join us sheldon how are you sir wait what day of the week is it right now I'm, i I'm don't confused. even know man i'm really confused I, I i don't even know i don't know what uh what season it is it's like it's warm you know all of a sudden uh i'm outside wearing shorts yesterday i don't even know what to believe in anymore um speaking of which like where are you with this uh you know and hopefully i don't know if even hopefully is the right word but i think it's probably going back to normal next year but where were you with the friday to monday wraparound situation not a fan why mess with the good thing the the whole like let's say it is thursday to friday right it's just a, a great way to get into your weekend right sure everyone's i mean cheating off work let's say on thursday uh-huh. Watch some ball. Watch some ball. Do the same thing on Friday, and then you got the weekend. Cool. Monday, you come back to work. You rehash everything that just happened. This whole okay, well, we're gonna do it on Friday, mm-hmm. and then to Monday, it's like okay, well, you get through the weekend, and then Monday you gotta like get back into the grind of work. Not sit <laughs> down and cheat work on Monday and and watch college basketball. Am I wrong? Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen. I, I, like, I'm not the one who should be you know, sort of exclaiming which is better because, like, I don't really have Mondays. Like, I'm doing a podcast every day this past yeah. weekend, right? Yeah. And, like, yeah, I realize even still, like, Sunday still has a feel, but, like, I liked that, you know, Sunday night rolled around and I was like, oh, man, we have, like, a full another day of this. And what really got me um, is that the Thursday in this case, like, we still had four basketball games. Yeah. And two of them were really, like, 
high quality basketball games and the other two were at least interesting. And so it did feel a little mini March Madnessy. Whereas normally that Tuesday and Wednesday, those play in games are just nothing. Like I barely watch them. Like I barely, if at all, watch the 16s, you know, and then like most of the time the matchup isn't particularly good in the like 12 or 11 seed play in. And so to just sort of throw those one after another on Thursday did give me that feel that by the time Sunday rolled around, I did feel like it was like any other Sunday. Except like, oh, wait, like there's more games tomorrow. Like that's outstanding. But if I had to go to like a nine to five job, mm-hmm. like I would be like, oh, man, like I don't want to do this. Or I'd be all. trying to take Monday off of work. Yeah, you can't you can't. Yeah, you can't very well sort of call in sick on Friday and then back around to Monday. But at least <laughs> the good news is, it's like, you know, as dumb as it is on the weekend and, and certainly on Sunday where they go one by one in those first two time slots in the afternoon. At Mm. least that's okay for Monday because you don't have to follow two, three games at once while you're at work. You can just follow the one. Maybe you get a sneaky live stream going. You get your iPad next to your computer, you know, your phone, something along those lines. And they scheduled it okay where it was like, okay, Gonzaga's not going to lose to Oklahoma here. So, you know, let's put them in this time slot too. So, like, you didn't need to really pay attention to that game either. So yeah. you know, I don't know. Again, I'm not in the in the proper place to sort of say um, you know what you know what other people are supposed to like about it or not. I completely understand it uh, from both sides of the counter. So what we're going to do here is we're going to do a little review of uh, of the weekend that was as best we can. We're not, it's not like we're going to go game by game here because there was yeah. you know 40, 47 games this weekend. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to region by region and we're going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly from these regions and the good being what we did well on the podcast last week with regards to the region the bad being you know what was the worst beat and not just for the podcast but for people out there and then finally the ugly and that's what we did not do particularly well um from a podcast standpoint so let's start in the midwest in the bottom right because i think you have a lot to say about this uh, region because <sighs> you and i both had a lot to say so for me uh, for the podcast and i know this might not be the same for you the best thing that we did in this podcast the good was swimming downstream with syracuse like not fighting yeah. you know like you know jim Beheim and company are going to be that rushing water down the river and every year we try to get them out as soon as we possibly can as if we can will this to happen and we can't will this to happen because the two three zone and jim Beheim, and in this case buddy Beheim are you know you you can't you can't swim upstream they're just going to push you right down you should be on a raft you should be having a great time you should just be betting on Syracuse because I promise you that team's a lot more enjoyable when you have money on them than when you don't now I know you probably have a problem with Syracuse because I think I feel like and I know from at least a survivor standpoint you were swimming upstream on the Bayheim boys. Yeah, but here's here's my thing, and, and especially with the survivor pool, and you might, I mean, I know you deal with a lot of entries, so you might not, you know, be familiar with what my strategy is, but my strategy is shoot or shoot. Like, I'm not really yeah. trying, like, I'm fully prepared to buy in every single day, so mm-hmm. I'm taking, like, wild shots. You know right. what I'm saying? And I know yeah, even yeah. though San Diego State against Syracuse isn't necessarily, quote-unquote, a wild shot, but right. I'm just throwing things out and, you know, seeing what's going on because teams that I don't really believe in anyways. Do, mm-hmm. do you know what I'm saying? That's kind of what my, yeah. my angle is. 
No yeah, you go in the six eleven game. That's like a three or three or four point favorite versus like trying to like halfway in, halfway out with like a three or a four seed, or in my case, a two seed going with Ohio <laughs> State that first day. Um, speaking of ugly, yeah, uh, yeah, right. Like you're trying to sort of save teams for later and sort of catch catch you know catch fire if you will early on. I get it. Yeah, and, and I mean once you're fully prepared already to rebuy in, which. I am right. <laughs> That's just how I roll in these situations. I want to be a part of the fun. I want, I want to be a part of the action. Right. So yeah, you get caught there and then you realize, okay, cool. Fair enough. But then you jump back on the train and, and know that Bayheim versus huggy bear, you know, it's, it's like, I yeah. feel like I had to catch myself. I'm like, do these guys play in the tournament all the time? Or is this just me? Like I had to stop mm-hmm. and really think about it, but either way uh, it right. was, yeah, Syracuse in the points. Let's go. And yeah, we talked about this when I was on the pod last week, right? Just my mentality of not doing a bracket. And mind you, I'm not one of these people that are like, nobody cares about your bracket. I think that's a stupid angle to take because just mm-hmm. don't do a bracket. Like, yeah. if people, if we know that a lot of sports fans do brackets and clearly somebody cares about your bracket. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So what are we talking about? But I don't do a bracket because it's freeing me up to just focus on yeah. the gambling and I'm not attached. So Syracuse screwed me in the first round, whatever. Second round rolls around. Cool. I'm going to go heavy Syracuse to beat to West Virginia to cover the points. And what do you know? There you go. What do you know? Yeah. Yeah. You were swimming upstream and you're just like, you know what? Uh, I just, I just heard there was a dock down uh, <laughs> downstream and why try to fight myself back to the boat here? that I fell out of in the first round and I'll just ride the, uh, ride the waves right down to the dock at the end. And I'll walk back. I'll feel portage back up to, uh, to the main uh, territory. Just ride the wave. Uh, yeah. So you know what? I'm putting you down for good there when it comes to Syracuse as well. Uh, the bad, the bad beat. And this sort of leans into, or sort of leads into uh, the ugly portion. Mm-hmm. And so the bad beat, I think of this region was, I don't know if you caught the end of the Oklahoma state Liberty game, in the first round where the point spread opens up nine and a Mm -hmm. half, you know, plus nine and a half for uh, Liberty. You know, I talked about how I was looking and waiting to see if I could get 10 in that game. Super selfish. (laughs) What a jerk. Uh, It goes down to seven. Yeah. And then the last 40 seconds of this game was just complete point spread chaos as it's a nine point game and Oklahoma state's like running out the clock, but the shot clock isn't lined up. So they have to take a shot. If they, if they want to, they could totally have just taken a shot clock violation. (laughs) Kid throws up a three and it doesn't go. And so now Liberty's got the ball and they can come and, you know, pull the backdoor cover and they come all the way down and they get a layup, but the kid botches the layup off the front (laughs) rim. And then all of a sudden it lands on nine. So like you're a winner on plus nine and a half, which is like, you know, what I would have bet if I was never going to get 10. Mm-hmm. And then it goes down, you know, the number goes down to seven. So I pass on the game entirely. So I wasn't even involved from an above point spread standpoint in this game. But I was screaming at the end of this game because I know that everybody is, yeah. right? Like every, and, that was, and I think it was a pretty popular game as well just because Cade Cunningham was involved. Um, so that was sort of the bad beat of this bracket. Do you know, what, and I do you think, know what's kind of funny, though, go ahead. about that? To me, with... Yeah. For me, because I watch a lot more NBA than I do college basketball, right? But there's a moment where mm-hmm. I had to remind myself, just because you're looking at point spreads, and I still love my live in-game betting for sure, but 
sure. The moment of having to remind myself, oh, wait, it's college. So if you're down like more than two possessions and there's like five minutes left, your chances right. of coming back are way different than it is in the NBA, right? Just because the pace of play, okay. just because, you know, even if these teams are down three points, they come over half court and then they like run around in circles, drawing up a play. For like, right. <laughs> whereas NBA, you're down two possessions. Hey, as long as there's a minute left, you still got a chance. Right. So yeah. it's a different thing. And it took a second for me to be like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then <laughs> it slows down. But then, as you just mentioned, speeds back up right at the end with dudes shooting yeah. at the end for no reason at all, other than None. to screw your point spreads. But anyways. Yeah. In the NBA, it's handshakes, right? Yeah. It's handshakes at that point. It's not like, oh, I'll fire up a three. And then the other kid's like, I need a basket here like within an inch of his life. And it was just like, no, man, nobody needs anything here. And so, you know, it all worked out. I think nine was probably the right number uh, in that one. Mm -hmm. And then so the ugly happens in the very next round in that area of the bracket. And then it's a two-headed monster with Illinois losing to Loyola Chicago, obviously knocking out the team that I had winning the championship. Mm -hmm. And then Oklahoma State getting knocked out by Oregon State, a team that a lot of other people had winning the championship. I know that you were riding the Cade Cunningham train and we're pretty locked in to that game um, late. So whether you want to talk about Oklahoma State or Illinois first or, you know, one or the other exclusively, feel free to go ahead. First off, I think we should start with the Loyola in Illinois thing because people who are locked into college basketball, which I don't claim to be one of those people, but even I was aware and I know you were pretty heavy on this whole thing from the get-go about Loyola Chicago and the fact that they're not an eighth seed. Right. And I guess I understand what they're doing, right? Like the, the, the tournament, you know, in terms of making them an eight seed. So then you get to put up Sister Jean again and be like, hey, look at the upset, an eight seed, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, I, I kind of get that. But at the end of the day, right. aren't you just messing up your whole tournament? Yes. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. And, 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 I, and I tweeted it out the other, you know, uh, I guess it was Sunday. I mean, again, who knows what days, yeah, know. you know, any days are, but it's just like, imagine how great this tournament would be. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple other things that you could add into it. And I would sort of go bigger picture with the sport. Like imagine how great it would be if not every single foul was a charge <laughs> or how great would it be if we didn't have to review things like all the time yeah. and have to stop the game. And it's, you know, and I don't know if it's because maybe some of these games have been, you know, decided by the time we got to two minutes or one minute left and we didn't have to go to video review. It hasn't been that bad for the tournament, but I assure you there are games this year where the reviews have been a atrocious mm-hmm. um but imagine how good this tournament would be if Loyola was a four seed like they should be yeah right I'm not saying they should be a two or a three the way they are sort of ranked in Ken Palm but like a five seed where they're in a four five game on the second weekend yeah and they don't have to take out you know or you know they don't either go out or take out one of the best teams in the tournament like on the first weekend where you know, the, the magic of March Madness is a, it's a volume weekend, right? It's like, give me more games. We'll totally ignore the fact that a lot of these games are terrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then hopefully by the time the Sweet 16 rolls around, which, by the way, this is the first time ever those games will be standalone games because they're on Saturday and Sunday this year. So they're one after another, all four back to back to back, instead of sort of staggering them on Thursday and Friday night where it's sort of two at a time. So it's like, you're going to want to watch. Yeah. You know, 
Illinois and Oklahoma State. Totally right? agree. I would want to watch. I want to watch Loyola Chicago. I do, mm-hmm. but I want to watch them play like Syracuse yeah. on the on the bottom half of the bracket. Right. Totally. I want to see them. You know, in theory, maybe knock off Houston and have that matchup. Yeah. Right. Like I don't. I don't want this this early. These teams are too good. Like you wouldn't want Michigan. You know, people. I remember two years ago, the Zion year, right, where it was like, oh, Duke and Michigan. Uh, Michigan State are in the same are in the same quadrant. They're in the same region. Yeah. Like oh now like that's a game that we'd want to see in the finals or the final four. And it was like it was a regional final. Like that's still pretty good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that's a good time to have that matchup. Oh yeah. Like imagine having that matchup in the first or second round. Like that's so stupid. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they don't do themselves any favors, but they want to do the like you know it's not a it's not a coincidence that you know chicago right loyola chicago mm-hmm. was in illinois quarter exactly right like that right it could have easily they could have easily been in michigan's quarter but it's like oh we're gonna get cutesy here we're gonna wink wink nudge nudge it mm-hmm. and, and sort of mess with the thing right because if you're sitting there going like yeah they were definitely an eight or a nine seed which makes them you know quick mathematics you know like the 30th best team in the country <laughs> like there's just no way, right? Like, yeah. There's just no way they're the 30th. And it's even before we have to even watch them, you know, in those first two games. And so, like, yeah, from, like, an ugly standpoint, like, I have to put Illinois through, right? I, I Like, I would love to take that 8-9 upset if it were literally any other matchup. Even, like, a Loyola-Gonzaga matchup mm-hmm. would have been really interesting. And something that if they were from anywhere other, any place other than Chicago, they probably throw them in with Gonzaga and try to throw them, you know, like just try to murder them right off the right off the hop against Gonzaga or sort of backup plan. You know, Gonzaga loses, which would sort of make the NCAA happy um, as far as we sort of think of them, you know, hating on the on the small schools and that sort of thing. But here and but so for me, it's like, yeah, go you ahead. give this matchup now, as you mentioned, right? Standalone, Loyola, Chicago, Oregon State. Now I'm going to bet on it, so I'm going to watch it. But like trying to get a lot of people in or hyped up about that, like, you know, at a certain point, we all realize Sister Jean doesn't play, right? <laughs> do you know? What I, I mean? don't think we do. <laughs> I don't know if you saw my tweet. I had to mute everything that involved the word Sister Jean, <laughs> uh, Sister Jean, uh, old bag. Oh, wow. Um, just, just, <laughs> just in just in case. And um, I'm not even mad I'm at Sister I'm scene, not man. even mad at Sister Jean. I'm just saying like don't compromise the whole the whole thing just to like get early upsets or make early headlines on the first weekend. Like it's not worth it. Like at yeah. the end of the day, you're selling the product of college basketball. And once you get around to the second weekend, mm-hmm. those games aren't good. And you already right. have lost so many. You're already at you know a loss because you don't have a lot of the blue the blue blood programs, right? right. Like it's just yeah. it's just weird. But anyways, like, well, and I make this. I have this complaint about the NFL, right? Because we all love the NFL, and we're sitting here on March, and like we've got free agency stuff, and like everybody's jacked up about that, and we all sort of consider this the NFL like to, just to be awesome. And it's not that it isn't, but like when you you know we talk about it every seemingly every Monday where we just go like you know, the product actually sucks, right? It's like, but it doesn't matter because we can bet on it. Mm -hmm. And these games that are coming up on Saturday suck. (laughs) Like, they suck. (laughs) But you know what? Like, I'll bet them. (laughs) Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, I'm still going to watch. Like, you throw a six-point, you know, spread into the mix, which sucks because, like, 
you know, I talked about before the, you know, before the tournament starts, like we're shaping up to have like every game app, you know, from the second round on, except for the ones involving Gonzaga, basically, mm-hmm. and maybe to a lesser extent Baylor as like pickums, yeah. right? Like across the board, like, okay, this one's a two point favorite, but like, is that any different? Not really. And it's like, and then we somehow work our way into these matchups that now are 11 and a half point spread, six and a half point, six and a half point, six point spread. And you're just like, no pickums, yeah. no pickum type games in that for like congratulations, and it's not you know a coincidence that Illinois and Loyola played in that standalone noon game, yeah. right? Like it's it's just I, I understand it's a TV show by and large, but like it's robbing Peter to pay Paul here by like mm-hmm. putting these matchups this early in the tournament. So everybody's bracket gets blown up, which like you know I don't know that like does that matter as far as you know these you know, the NCAA is concerned. Do they want people to have live brackets longer to keep them interested? Like to me, that would be, you know, that would behoove them uh, if you will, Mm -hmm. but I know whatever. Um, I digress. Um, Oklahoma state. And Cunningham. So this was sort of our feature presentation for for you and I on Sunday night. Here's the thing. Here's the thing too. Crazy. We set this up last week in the preview, Mm -hmm. right? Because, we yeah. talked a lot about the fact that I was just going to ride Cade and it doesn't even really matter to me because I know how these things go where you have the star player and the best player in college basketball and rarely ever do they just like mm-hmm. make the deep run in the tournament. Something messed up normally happens and they're out early and here we are. Like I'm pretty sure, and I, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty sure we had that conversation which then led us to mm-hmm. talking about Kevin Durant and crushing your boy, Ricky Barnes. And that played out oh, as yeah. well, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. doesn't even need to be discussed because it was <laughs> it's just sort of like nodding to each other from like across the street. Like Rick Barnes goes out in the first round in an upset. Like, cap, <laughs> let's just move on. Right. So yeah. the thing I don't – I didn't understand about that game. And that game, you know – started off like so many Oklahoma State games did in terms of them being down and then Cade being okay in the first half, but he's just feeling it out, right? And then the second mm-hmm. half comes yeah. around and we're all watching and I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone and their moms probably live bet Oklahoma State to come back in that game, right? Because it was going mm-hmm. around. Yeah. It was, it was moving. That line was moving, right? It was just too juicy to not pass, sure. to, to pass up. And I don't know if I've seen a team get so many chances to come back and take a game because Oregon State was just giving them the game. Oregon State was doing the most to try and lose. And yet Oklahoma State, whether it's missing free throws, whether it's missing wide open threes, whether it was missing layups, like they were just, I, I don't even know how to describe it. And Cade was trying. He was trying. Yeah. But yeah. it just wasn't enough. And, and I give the one thing I will give, well, I mean, I got to give Oregon State more credit because they won the game. But I like right. how they had their zone like shaded over Cade. And so basically two guys yeah. were guarding Cade the whole time, right? Yeah. And that was a good adjustment for sure. Yeah. So first and foremost, I think Oregon State, there's an outside chance that – um, they're a Disney movie happening right now. <laughs> and what has happened is that they were sprinkled somewhere along the lines, uh, you know, with some 
fairy dust yep. probably against UCLA, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it was when, you know, Jules Bernard missed the free throw that allowed them to uh, go to overtime in the quarterfinal of the PAC 12 tournament. They end up winning the PAC 12 tournament. Um, unrecognizable from yeah. earlier on in the season, right? And then they go and they beat Tennessee and it's like, roll it out, Rick. Thanks for that. And then they just shoot the lights out in the first half and they take this big lead. Mm-hmm. And then in the Disney movie, they come to halftime and something has happened along the storyline where the fairy dust wears off. But we all like Oregon State so much, right? Because, you know, we've, they've, they've captured our hearts in this Disney movie that we're just hoping that they hang on for dear life. And they have to just kind of like put together, you know, some shady tactics. And I don't want to say shady is not really the right word, but like, they, it's like, okay, we're going to, tr- you know, we're going to foul a bunch of times, but like, hopefully they don't call them all. Like that's the defense that we're going to have to play. It's going to have to be really mucky and yeah. really aggressive. We're going to have to help. They just miss shots. And like the big, bad Oklahoma state bold, uh, Bulldogs, <laughs> Oklahoma state uh, Cowboys, you know, don't end up, taking this game and yeah like and and the difference between the nba and and the ncaa it's it's like you don't get that many chances in the ncaa to come back right like you don't have that many possessions in the second half or the back end Mm -hmm. of the second half and for some reason like oklahoma state had all the possessions in the world that they could use to come back and it was just like you know i said you know whether it was on twitter or was on the podcast yesterday it's like you know, Avery Anderson, like one of the smoothest players in the country when it comes to like going to the basket as like yeah. a smaller guard. And like all of a sudden he's just whipping the ball <laughs> up against the rim or up against the backboard. Right. And you're like, what is happening out there? Like this is unrecognizable. And it's not like the rest of the team sucks. And like that's what, you know, I talked a little bit about it when they beat Liberty when Cade was in foul trouble. It was like, yeah, we're not betting on Cade Cunningham here. We're betting on the fact that without Cade a couple of times this season, that the team has been yeah. good, that they beat West Virginia, that they, you know, beat Texas when he was in foul trouble. And for that to just all of a sudden fall apart where nobody else on the team could do anything was really shocking. It's one of those things really where shocking. I wonder if they just kind of, well, they probably took Oregon State for granted, right? Thinking that, you know, and, and yeah. I don't know. A lot of that are things we'll never know. Coaching and how prepared they were. When and I always wonder. They didn't make. Yeah. Because they didn't make adjustments. Yeah. But when you're missing so many chippies, like so many layups, like right around the rim. Sure. There were at least three, maybe even four times where there were and ones that should have easily been and ones and they would just like roll out yes what is happening here (laughs) well and that's it too right because you go okay well they didn't make adjustments but like did they like if they didn't did they have to because it's like hockey right like and i you know i veered away from hockey for the last week because it's all about march madness but like the way we handicap hockey is like just give me scoring chances right if you can give me more high danger scoring chances than the other team like i'll take my chances with how the game is going to go but i can't shoot the puck into the net (laughs) for you and so from like a coaching standpoint it's like we're getting the three pointers right like we're getting the opportunities we're getting like you said the little bunny layups and we're getting fouled, and it's just not going in the basket. And I think that was the same thing for Illinois in the first half of their game. And I think they got frustrated and panicked because it seemed like everything that Loyola shot went in. And the shots stopped going in for the, for the Beavers you know, in that game. But they also just never went in for Oklahoma State. And so it's like, I don't know if there's any adjustments 
that were made that needed to be made. It's just like you just got to make a and shot. Like I can't shoot the puck. Into the other the part net too. The other part, the ball point in. too is that Oregon State kept turning over the ball themselves. Like they were trying to hand the yeah. game over. And there are right. moments where you're seeing Oklahoma State on breakaways or fast breaks, and they just kind of don't know. Like yeah, I don't know. It it was really really frustrating that- to watch, <laughs> just because yeah. you want to have. Oklahoma State win and go on but then obviously you're on the side of gambling but from a bigger mm-hmm. picture like I want to see Cade in Oklahoma State play more right like that's just what we want to yeah. see yeah and I don't well I was on Oregon State plus six. Oh, I tried to I'm middle like, that I too I, I tried to I tried <laughs> I was trying to yeah I was trying to emotionally yeah. middle it like I never live bet Oklahoma State but I'm like I just want yeah. them to win like I just want them to move on here because you know Loyola had already moved on I'm like that's still an interesting game Loyola and Oklahoma State like the point spread in that game you know about yeah, a that was six problem, right I was right? on, I was so on like, Oregon oh. State six but yeah the, the middle came around and I was like yeah. Ooh, wait a second here <laughs> <laughs> sure. um take your shot shoot, absolutely right? shoot or shoot yeah um that's part of the frustrating. deal. It was frustrating to watch because I'd rather see teams knock down shots at the end of games going back and forth. Right. And instead it became yeah. really sloppy and a lot of missed shots. Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly, incredibly frustrating. Cause yeah, it would get down to two points and you'd be like, there's still five minutes left of this game. Like they are back in it. And then there's no reason to panic. And I don't know that they, I mean, maybe they did individually when it came to, like, shooting those shots or, or hitting those layups. But, yeah, really annoying, and those games all stink. Um, <laughs> I mean, moving forward, that's all I've got from that. Uh, let's go up to the south here quickly. Not necessarily a ton to yeah. talk about uh, in the same way that there is in the bottom half of this half of the bracket. Uh, the good, uh, what did we do well? Well, we sniffed out the Villanova yeah. situation, mm-hmm. right? Um, you had, like, who didn't? have Winthrop moving on in their bracket and Jay Wright like why is Jay Wright underrated like why do we just assume because Colin Gillespie goes out and that Villanova has a week to prepare that like Jay Wright's not going to with all of the other talent that he has on that team and you know I'll sort of veer away just for a quick second here but like you know Javon Quinterly who I think lit it up for Alabama pretty good this past weekend like couldn't get on the court for Villanova as a high recruit. Like they brought, you know, he was obviously a, a top recruit, but then he had to transfer to Alabama. Cause like they have a lot of really good players on Villanova. And the idea that like, it would just fall apart against, you know, some mediocre competition. I don't expect them necessarily to be Baylor, but like, what is it about Jay Wright that people don't want to believe when we're busy talking about like Izzo and all these other guys who like, it doesn't seem to matter who their players are. Like, we just believe that they're going to make it happen. But it's like, you know, Jay Wright has two titles in the last, like, And the thing years. is, we talk a lot about the kids, and we just talked about missed layups. We talked about, you know, all that in the Oklahoma State game. But if you flip it around to pressure and the moment getting big, obviously that happens to a lot of coaches, right? Jay Wright is not one of those people right. because he's been there before, right? We'll always remember that stone-cold shot of Jay Wright drawing up that game winner in the final, the national championship. Yeah. Remember, and they had the camera <laughs> of directly on yeah. him, and he didn't even flinch. Bang. He didn't even move. No. And that's to win a national championship, right? So for, to your <laughs> point of my guy being calm and cool in this tournament, he's literally seen everything. And so mm-hmm. this isn't good. Like Winthrop, right? Like the- <laughs> Right. Yeah. Oh, they have a 6'6 point guard. 
It's like, uh-huh. And then what? <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, that's it. Like, I think we can handle that. Like, a week to prepare. A six, six it's centers. Insane. Right? He's had tournaments yeah, where, he, we have, yeah, we have where six, he has six, six centers, <laughs> and he's rolling out here and making runs Ro- in the tournament. No? Right. But it's like, yeah, Winthrop's got a six, six point guard. And it's like, okay, that we can handle that. Because like everybody on our team is six six, <laughs> and it's like you're and it's like they also have a six six. Winthrop also has a six six center, yeah. and you're like okay, like we definitely can work with yeah. that. And yeah, so anyway, that was probably the best thing that we did with regards to this region, um, pending sort of what happens with Baylor, as they are still our team to get out of that region. Yeah. Um, speaking of Baylor, uh, the bad, the worst beat of the entire tournament. Um, for, for me, I think, I, I mean, I think it's probably fair to say just based on the circumstance, uh, the very first game for Baylor against Hartford favored by 25 mm-hmm. points. Uh, you, you know, they take a 28 point lead. And of course, what do we get in the last two minutes? Right. We get the benches. <laughs> everybody's uh, everybody's into the pool here. Uh, yeah. some, and like, I don't want to discriminate or whatever, but like the, just from an appearance standpoint, the dudes <laughs> that Baylor brought off the bench, like, just, just mulleted, like, you know, farmhands, oh, and you're just like, God bless them for, like, they probably just take dunks in the face all day uh, in practice from that team, and um, they get out there, and it's just like, oh, God, anything's going to happen here, and Hartford empties their bench, and now it's just a pickup game at the YMCA mm-hmm. at this point. And, you know, a late layup with like eight seconds to go ends up killing the uh, the point spread for us there as Hartford loses by four points, uh, excuse me, 24 <laughs> points, um, but wins, uh, wins the uh, wins the pickup game by four points, um, having started with a 28 point deficit. Um, and then the ugly um, North Carolina. Okay, what do we make of this program going forward now Cole Anthony on the team last year? doesn't you know can't do enough obviously he's injured for much of the year but i think what we forgot is that like north carolina wasn't going to make the tournament Mm -hmm. last year and there was no COVID excuses the way there may be for kentucky or duke or how you know whatever like the you know they're obviously getting the focus here or got the focus for not making the tournament this year but like north carolina wasn't making the tournament last year and now they're in that eight nine game where it's like you might as well be missouri at this (laughs) point um you know, here's my thing. Your boy Roy, what's the situation there, man? I'll say this much: rarely ever will you see me be confidently riding with Wisconsin in the tournament. <laughs> sure. Much less me confidently riding with Wisconsin against North Carolina. Like that's how yeah. you know it's a bad, it's a bad, bad, bad time for Roy and company. <laughs> yeah, they're down bad, as they say. And how did we end up here? Right. I don't know. Michael Jordan is probably you know not even tuning in he's more to like michael jordan is more tuned in on the charlotte hornets right now than right. he would have been on north carolina that sure. makes no sense at all yeah and they i don't know how they fix it because there's a thing going on in college basketball that's a you know a conversation for another day but like mm-hmm. the north carolinas the dukes like they've already switched up you know before it was oh no kids just come to our school because we're us yeah. Then it was, well, we don't need one and duns. We get everyone else. Then they finally converted and said, no, 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 we'll get the one and duns. And the one and duns will come to us because we're us. And we finally mm-hmm. allowed them to come to us. And then now it's like, yeah, nah. <laughs> no. Right? Yeah. I can go to G League Elite 
or whatever the hell that team's called. Like I right. can go to wherever, as you mentioned, uh, Oklahoma State. Exactly. Right? Like it didn't hurt Cade Cunningham, and he decided to go there even after finding out that they might be on you know suspension from postseason play. Now that and, didn't end up happening for reasons that we've talked about on this show before. But like, didn't you can Oklahoma go State? Now. Didn't Oklahoma State hire his brother as an assistant coach? Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Which is so, which is yeah, like a practice that's done throughout you know college basketball history. For um, sure. But but hey, yeah. Roy, maybe you need to dig into some of those games, right? Because if you're talking about North Carolina being like getting crushed by Wisconsin in the first round, Duke yeah. not even making the tournament, it's yo, that's not a good look for the NCAA. Let's let's keep it a buck. Because no. we might know that they were in trouble this year. Right, because mm-hmm. you're 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 locked in enough to go back to last season and and know that they were in trouble last year. Right. So here we are, and again, it's Wisconsin. I don't know if there's a team I despise watching every March more than <laughs> Wisconsin, just because it's right. so boring and slow and ugly all the time. Yeah. And you're North Carolina. You're supposed to have five stars, McDonald's All Americans, just. Out athleting, and I'm just making up that word. Sure, but running up and down the court, blowing by Wisconsin. But we were confident in the fact that no, not this year, Silroy. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I, like I got sucked into it because I thought this Wisconsin version was really, really soft. And I don't know sort of what what happened um, since the end of the season to the tournament, where it was like, man, you're not only you're making North Carolina look bad, you're also out toughing a team that has like seven footers basically like across the front line, one of which has already announced that he's transferring, which, you know, sort of, again, tells you all you need to know about where that program is headed. And we've sort of, you know, as much as we rip uh, Barnes, like Roy Williams has, you know, is sort of known for a roll it out Roy type concept too, but because he wins, you know, with that talent every five or six years or so, you know, we all sort of look the other way, but, uh, you know, it's never been Correct. this bad on those down years um, from that standpoint. So that was probably one of the worst bets. And listen, we lost seven bets, uh, ATS, like from a best bet standpoint this past weekend. And so like, stay high, stay high, <laughs> right? Like it, it's not like we have a ton to complain about. And so, or, or there's not like there's a ton to choose from even from a, but that was Certainly one of them. One game that I didn't bet, and we'll sort of get you out of here on this, Ohio State loses to Oral Roberts. Um, One game that I did lose on was Virginia Tech um, to Florida because I thought that was going to be a really important game because I thought whoever won the Florida-Virginia Tech game was going to move on to at least the Sweet 16 and have a real chance to move on from there And because I thought Ohio State was vulnerable. And not only were they vulnerable to Virginia Tech or a Florida they were vulnerable to Oral Roberts, who then ends up pulling off the upset again against Florida. And so we would be remiss if we didn't at least mention the fact that we've got a 15 seed into the Sweet 16 here. Um, you know, like, what, am, <laughs> what, what are we supposed to make of all of this? Like, how, how is this possible in your eyes? I don't get it. Yeah. I, and and, and I'm, I'm normally not left speechless on certain situations, but Oral yeah. Roberts... First off, to pull off that upset and to be to say that as a two seed, Ohio State is vulnerable, right? Like I get yeah. it, 
Sure. But that still at least means, yeah, you're, you'll at least win the first round. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. maybe it's one of the teams you might want to take early in the survivor pool. But Which I did. Good to, yeah. You're at least good to win one round, right? Yeah. That and, was literally my attitude. Like, you're good for one, right? And they're like, so, no, we're not. In one of my, my, you know, friendly gambling group texts, it was, hold on. Oh, Ohio State losing, like, that's a fireable offense, no? You can't lose to Oral Roberts. It is funny, right? Like, you get every year, you know, these coaches, you get the, you know, the coaches carousel, right? But it isn't a carousel in the way it is in, like, the NHL or the NBA. It's, like, this rise up, right? So, like, the Oral Roberts coach, like, he's as good as gone, right? But yeah. he's going to get a better job. And it might not be necessarily a power you know, six conference job, it's going to be like, you know, maybe he ends up in like, you know, going up against Loyola Chicago, you know, because he gets like the Southern Illinois job. I don't even know if that's open or not, but I'm just sort of using that (laughs) as an example because that's obviously a bump up. Like that's how we found out about Chris Beard is, you know, when he pulls the upset, um, you know, with Arkansas Little Rock, I believe it was. And, you know, like, it should kind of work the other way, right? Where it's like, okay, the Oral Roberts job, like, does the Oral Roberts guy get the Ohio State job? Does he just, like, <laughs> replace him? Like, how great would that be? It'd be like relegation in, uh, in you know, in English soccer. Um, I think that should be absolutely how it works. If you're a one or a two and you lose in the first round, you get fired immediately, and the guy who beats you gets your job. What do you think And it's that? also, like, two dudes on Oral Roberts. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't, like... If you're Ohio State, you can't lose to two guys. I know it happens sometimes in the tournament. I, I know. I get it. I understand it. But, like, it's it's really tough. And I didn't even have Ohio State going far. But it's still just a, a weird, weird thing. And Oral Roberts, it's a fun story. There's a lot of puns, and people on Twitter can get oh. to have a lot of fun. Time for a couple more rounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah great. But overall, <laughs> like, our – as you mentioned, are you really hyped to watch Oral Roberts no. moving on? You know, to, no, it's eleven to, and a half point spread now. It's Arkansas. like, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, it's awful. Like it sucks, right. right? And yeah, and it's like, you know, what was my plan going into this? It was like, okay, let's fade Ohio State, let's fade mm-hmm. Mike White and Florida, mm-hmm. and somehow both of those things were true, <laughs> and I didn't make any money off of it. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's how frustrating, yeah. you know, betting can be, right? Yeah. It's just like, I nailed it from, like, a big picture standpoint. Don't want anything to do with Mike White because he's going to screw it up. Mm-hmm. Don't want anything to do with Ohio State because they don't play defense and they're vulnerable. And so it's like, well, what, are, what, what am I left with? And my, what I was left with was Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a team, again, I thought was, you know, could be pretty good. You know, I think they probably ran out of gas because they just don't play enough games because of COVID. But it's like... Oral Roberts was the answer to this to this puzzle. Like so so frustrating. Um, at any rate, like, do you have any leans going forward? You know, like, are you looking at any of these teams on this side, or if you even want to sort of dip into the future of the left side? Like, is there any team? Maybe you're like, you know what? I think Loyola's got this sort of inside track to the Final Four or something along those lines. Is there anything that you're looking at for this coming week that you're like, okay, like this is a train I want to get on? Maybe it's still staying uh, with the Salmon, the Syracuse Orangemen. Here's, here's my thing, right? I, early on, we, when we discussed this, I mentioned that Baylor, I think when, by the time we got to the end, I was saying, yeah, Baylor-Gonzaga. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, pretty chalk. Baylor is just really good. And yeah. I know that sounds obvious, 
But yeah. having the conversation, I think it was their yeah their game against Wisconsin, and it, we were talking about it amongst friends about oh well the spreads I think it was like five maybe something right. like that yeah, and six yeah somewhere around there and you know the when you when you just look at it and might not be in on them let's say that right. seems like oh yeah Wisconsin take the points take the points It's like no 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 no. No, that's not <laughs> no. going <laughs> to – nope, right. don't do it. <laughs> don't yeah. do it. Yeah. Can't do it. And yeah. Baylor's just a good team. And you mentioned because of the way that the season has went, I thought you described it perfectly in terms of we kind of forgot about it, right? Yeah. Because so much went on. And then you watch them play, and it's like, no, they're a pretty complete team. And they just seem to be on that coll- – to me, it doesn't end. They still seem to be on that collision course with Gonzaga. To me, as boring yeah. as that may sound, the right. Loyola Chicago storyline is good, but I mean, whatever. Like I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be honest. Like I'm not excited to watch Loyola Chicago, Chicago and Oregon State. Um, yeah. That doesn't excite me. Buddy Beheim, cool story. You got out of the first weekend. The the lore of Jim Beheim lives another year. So feel free to lose now. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. And I'll be done with the Buddy Bayheim stories. Cool. Yeah. That's kind of Fair enough. sticking yeah, to that no. side of the bracket. It's like that. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that makes uh, that makes a ton of sense. All right, sir. Uh, we'll be back hopefully next week with uh, some takes as uh, we'll have the final four around this time next week. I guess that would be on Wednesday. Uh, you can catch him at Shell Alexander on Twitter, uh, the On Blast Podcast Network, all kinds of craziness going on over there. Three Raptors games this past weekend, so the fact that he was able to even say anything about the NCAA tournament this weekend was incredibly impressive. Uh, thanks as always, my friend. Thanks, my dude. Appreciate it. Quick break to tell you about some big news for the podcast. Coolbet.com is the presenting sponsor for the Windows March Madness coverage. What does that mean for you? Free money. If you're looking to try single game sports betting for the first time, or you're looking to add to your sportsbook repertoire, Coolbet.com is offering to double your deposit up to $200. There's a link in the description of this podcast, or you can find it on my Twitter feed, at mrussauthentic. Otherwise, simply go to coolbet.com, create your account, and enter the promo code WINDOW to double your deposit. Now, back to the betting. Next up in his usual spot, it's Tuesday. Believe it or not, I had to double-check the calendar because I have absolutely no, no idea what day it is this, uh, this week. Uh, in his normal spot. It's, uh, it's Tuesdays with Ted, Ted Ballantyne. How are you, pal? I'm entirely lost as well. I know just before uh, I logged on to have this conversation with you, I was sitting there and I was like, oh, I was like, hey, am I still alive in the survivor pool? I don't even really know anymore. I'm like, when are the next batch of games coming on? And when do I have to make a pick by? So I was just sitting and looking at my calendar. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I don't know what day it is or what's going on. All I know is I think I'm there. I don't know who I've picked. I don't know who I have left. All I know is I got caught up in the carnage and had to buy back in with, I'm assuming, everyone else on the planet. Yeah, and the survivor pool got mega rough on uh well i mean listen on the right side of the bracket that i just had a conversation with sheldon alexander about but like that destroyed people on the friday that then re-destroyed them on the sunday but the good news is we all got you know to stay alive 
and to buy back in for yesterday, which actually went pretty smoothly. Only four people that hung around um, got eliminated yesterday because they got maybe a little bit spicy going for, you know, something that was a little bit closer to a pick because favorites carried the day uh, yesterday. So what we're going to do, we're going to go through the left side of the bracket this time, and we're going to do the good, bad, and the ugly from each uh, game there. I shouldn't say each game, but each region. Uh, so let's start at the top here. And this is one where I, you know, there's a few games over the course of the tournament where, you know, it's not just a bet. It becomes sort of a referendum on whether you know what you're talking about or not. And obviously, when you turn a microphone on every single day, there's going to be points of the program where, you know, we're wrong about stuff. And so when we're, you know, kind of really, really loudly correct, Uh, I want to celebrate those. And I want to do so when it comes to the Oregon Ducks here. Now, listen, we'll get to sort of what happened on Saturday in in, in a minute here. But like against Iowa, a team that I have despised pretty much for, uh, I don't know, as long as I can possibly remember. I don't care for, you know, Fran McCaffrey's general antics. Um, You know, the fact that he's got two sons on the team, like it's one thing with Bayheim where he's got one kid on the team. The other kid plays for Cornell. It's like, all right, you didn't just shoehorn all of the kids onto your team. Um, And then just obviously his general demeanor, demeanor, he seems like a real, frankly, you know, earmuffs out there, kids. He just seems like an asshole. Um, So um, I'm always sort of against Iowa. And then, of course, they get matched up with one of the teams that I've been sort of loudly uh, promoting, if you will, in the Oregon Ducks. And so, you know, I said during the Pac-10 tournament to, um, you know, my lady, Emily, I said to her, like, I hate this Iowa team so much that when, when they get knocked out, I am buying a cake to celebrate. Like, it will be that type of, like, happy that when they get knocked out. And that was even before knowing that they were going to play Oregon. And so, of course, they get lined up with Oregon. The, the line opens at four, and it moves up. It moves to five, five and a half. And so you're sort of going, like, wow, market really thinks Iowa's going to win this game. Matt doesn't. And so when that game tips off, right, like, I'm in, like, a defensive stance, I'm ready to slap the floor. Like I am into it from start to finish. Cause you know, by the way, it's a standalone game to start the day. Uh, and then Oregon absolutely trucks Iowa. So um, this is my victory lap when it comes to that from the good uh, in this region. Um, Ted, you caught some of that game. Um, you know, whether it's sort of talking about Luca Garza getting 30 million points and them still getting blown out or, you know, just your general thoughts about Oregon and their potential or, some, you know, anything else you want to say, like, what were your takeaways from that? <laughs> Well, there was it was a good and a bad takeaway I have from the game. So the good is, and I thank you for this because you put me on. I don't know if it was, I think it was a couple of weeks ago going into the conference tournaments. You kind of caught, I think it was on SI, um, uh, you caught that there were some uh, values on futures to the final four uh, yes. that you thought could be taken advantage of. Um, so I jumped on the Oregon one. Uh, which I think it was twenty-five to one or something like that. Either way, and who knows? They they got a they got a tough road to hoe ahead still, obviously. Sure, but yeah. um, it's increased my uh, viewing experience through a couple rounds because I'm a ducks guy now. So why not <laughs> quack quack, right? So sure. yeah, and they go and they truck Iowa, like you say. And I don't know why I did this yesterday, uh, maybe half an hour before tip off of the first game. I see. Uh, your boy, uh, Darren Ravel, tweet out one of his <laughs> stupid, awful tweets. And he tweets out, he's like, oh, these are the five most popular totals right now in Vegas. I'm like, whatever. And I see, I mean, and he lists these five totals are all like 80% of public money is on these particular totals. I'm like, oh, you know what? 
I think this is a great opportunity for me to jump on and bet each of these totals going the other way. Anyway, okay. I ended up going one one in four in those five bets. It was a terrible <laughs> decision. And the first one was that everyone on the planet was apparently betting the over in the Iowa Oregon game, which I think was something like 154, like 80% right. of the people going over. Hey, listen, when the, like some of these games have got to go under if everyone's so confident and they basically hit that over by halftime and it was really <laughs> setting the tone for what my day was going to be like but it was enjoyable um two teams with the green and the yellow beautiful colors i liked that during the matchup and yeah right. it was a, it was also just just a fun game like they go back and forth and when you're sitting there betting and under and both teams are just pushing it off makes you right. really realize you've made a bad decision yeah, there was one where Iowa just took it out of the basket and just hucked it down the court and like it was back in the other basket within like a second and a half. And you're just like, God help anybody who's involved in the total in this game. And it turns out I didn't even know it was you. So I thought you know. it was me. And you go and when you're yeah. betting a stupid under God, you sit there and you start cheering for the dumbest things like you just start and you just start watching the shot clock, just hoping it's got to get below 20 sometimes. Like there's right. there's got to be a moment where they're gonna you know pass the ball three times before they shoot it, and this was not the game for that. Well, it's funny you mentioned you know Ravel, and I obviously write for the Action Network as well. So this, but this isn't sort of a like oh they they pay me to write some hockey stuff, so I'm gonna sort of mention it. It's more like it's a really good tool because you know I don't bet a ton of totals necessarily. I actually bet a couple of them this past weekend because a mutual friend of ours, Shannon Mohan, was is is trying betting for the very first time this week because of the cool bet promotion that, you know, you can double your deposit um, through, through the link that's in the description here. And he's like, I don't really know what to bet. And I told the story of Friday about how he bet on Michigan state money line, but because they have a promo where if it goes to overtime, you get your, your bet back. And so he actually got a second chance. And then he's like, okay, like how, like what are these totals all about? And so I've only been betting totals with him for just tiny amounts. um, But he's hit, two overs over the last couple of days and so you know i don't normally bet totals so i sort of you know had to get back into the groove of like doing the math in my head on uh, on totals and i imagine like that must have been a painful experience for for you in this game but like point is the action network has you know this functionality where it sort of tells you the pace that you're on and it gives you this like line graph throughout the game and I imagine for the Oregon one, it was like straight up to like a hundred percent over, and then just like a straight line all the way across. Like I haven't looked to see, but I like there's just no other way that that could possibly be because within five minutes you had to have known that that game was uh, oh, was gonna yeah. go over. And you do, and honestly, it tests your math. And I'm sure some people, because I don't bet that many totals. I, I like, I personally think of it as just, you know, it's very much a coin flip or win or lose. There's, there's no real pride or shame. You can feel it either way. Um, but it, I, I know some people are good at it. You sit there and I need this bad boy to be under 154. And yeah. after 10 minutes, like, you know, half of the first half, then it's, that's when it's easy to start doing math. And right. they were already at like 83. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. We, uh, well, again, that was you a start- <laughs> that was a math proof game because you're just like i have eyes i can see like they're, <laughs> they're in a dead sprint up and down the court they're right like, yeah under any left. circumstances where they're still playing i'm in yeah. trouble we need yeah. we, we, we need to walk through here at some point right 
Um, yeah, not ideal. Um, so, you know, in that same category, USC absolutely decimates Kansas. And that's a classic one where I feel like almost every year there's a point where Kansas is a pick in either the second round or in the Sweet 16. And it's you can always sort of tell with Kansas that it's just like not their year. Like in this case, obviously, there's a bunch of COVID stuff and all of that kind of stuff happening. But like you can tell like the talent wasn't necessarily there for this team. And I think Bill Self's a really good coach. Um, but like, there's only so much you can do and you sort of look and you're, you know, watching on the court and you're just like, well, you know, there's a couple of guys out there that really shouldn't be, you know, out there for Kansas. Like these guys are, are, are not, not what Kansas is sort of, um, used to having. And well, so and it was a- the classic, I should have bet more on USC. Like how would I didn't bet more on USC? Uh, well, I'll never know. listen, it's, I think I, I, when we get to this point, when we get down to the sweet 16, we can all start kind of drawing conclusions as to which, you know, conference has, has had the best showing in the tournament. It's tough to say that they're the best because of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, how about just big shout out to me, just shitting all over the pac 12 a couple weeks ago. I don't, I don't trust any of these guys. I think it could have well, been some of, one of the things I said. And they are just, they're the team this year that just, um, they're not just advancing. They all look really good. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, it's not like you were wrong. Like, they fired the commissioner because, you know, the athletics of, across the board in both sports, in both main, major men's sports, I should say, in basketball and football were so bad. So, like, I'm looking at this going – you know, like I've got Oregon futures, I got Colorado futures, and like I certainly I'm, I'm making a 20 minute case on the show on Friday for USC's, po- you know, the possibility that they beat Gonzaga. And I'm like, man, I'm really deep into the Pac 12 here, right? Like you sort of don't realize it until you realize it. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem like it's going to work out. But like at the same time, like from an individual team standpoint, you know, I'll talk about Colorado here in a second, but like, you know, it, it shouldn't matter what conference it is. Like, I shouldn't be blaming Oregon or USC because, like, look at the dudes that USC has on that team. And you go, like, what does that have to do with the fact that, like, they're in this conference or that conference? Yeah. And so I don't know if it's, like, you know, I don't want to sort of say, like, American thing or, like, a regionalistic thing. Like, why anybody really cares about, you know, what conference is better or, you know, obviously it's sort of, you know, not, you know, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but it's sort of, like, it's not not worth talking about, but like, it just seems like even before like an outlier type situation like this happens is that everybody's like dying to know who does better. Like the sec, are they going to do better? Is like the big 12. It's like, can we just play the tournament? Like, it's just a really weird sort of phenomenon that I don't totally understand. Well, yeah, I'm with you. Once the tournament starts, it's all entirely irrelevant. I understand it from the standpoint when people are making their picks, because most of us are going into these picks with, um, you know, minimal information at sure. best. So you like to kind of compartmentalize, if I can say it. You like to do that as much as you can with whatever information you can come up with off the top of your head. So then right. people are like, okay, you know, uh, ACC, Big Ten. That's I know those schools, so let's go with them. And then Pac-12 Pac has not had a fantastic reputation lately, and the Big 12 mm-hmm. is, you know, the up and down, back and forth. So – you make your decisions based on that before the tournament. I think every single time it proves to be worthless, but I would imagine that's, that's where a conversation about who's in what conference, um, you know, at least makes sense from that standpoint. Although again, unless people want to get in and do the research on every single team, um, it's, it's, it's irrelevant either. Right. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Right. Cause it's like, yeah, okay. Well, 
I don't even know that the Pac-12, you know, obviously they did well here, right? Because like, you know, you know, you got Oregon State obviously knocking off, you know, decent teams. Um, USC, right? Like they beat Drake and then they beat an undermanned, you know, under talented Kansas team. And it's like, okay, like I test, you go like this team's legit, but like, I don't know that that was necessarily all that impressive from like who they beat. It was really more about how they beat them. Sure. Uh, the bad beats, uh, the bad beats in this region. Um, I've got a couple, um, you know, sort of a spread and a money line bad beat um, from a spread standpoint. I thought the Oklahoma backers out there deserved better yesterday. Um, that Oklahoma team fought. They were down to within single digits late in that game. The, you know, they had the, you know, the flagrant foul. I mean, that was going to be a layup anyway. So it's like, it's hard to say that like, that was the cause of it. Obviously just Oklahoma not scoring in the last minute in a game like that, where you often see teams like they'll get a three pointer, they'll get a layup like at some point to sort of keep it to the 10 to 12 to even 14 range. So I thought Oklahoma uh, backers out there got a bad break there. And the one that was personal to me was the UCSB Creighton game. I thought UCSB was the better team. They obviously get that layup late in the game that, you know, the kid misses, it rolls off the rim. And, you know, I would sort of line that up with a lot of these late game things that don't particularly seem to be going our way. And yet we're sitting here 15 and seven against the spread. We hit a money line parlay on that uh, crazy Saturday. And so it's not the end of the world necessarily that we're not getting these bounces, if you will, at the end of games. But, you know, looking back, that UCSB game would have made us quite a bit of money as that would have tied up a four way round robin parlay for us there. Um, And then the ugly. Um, And I want to get your take on this. And like, you know, we sort of saw this coming. and I think a lot of people sort of dreaded it. But the announcement comes when Oregon and VCU get canceled because of COVID and obviously devastating for the VCU kids. Um, The rare good break for us when it comes to uh, this sort of thing with Oregon not having to play VCU. And you never know. They look great against Iowa, but they might not have played particularly well on the Saturday against VCU and may have gotten knocked out. So, you know, when that happens, when you find out about that, sort of what's your first instinct? And then, like, how do you feel about that going forward? with this again, just constantly looming. Um, well, I had my best payout so far of the, uh, the, the tournament schedule uh, with Georgia tech winning the ACC. And that was a big right. thank you to COVID because I don't think that right. necessarily goes down the same way. Um, y- you know what? I don't know if I really feel this way or that way about it. Like if I wasn't on Oregon to get to the final four in that future again, which I will thank you for getting me on. Um, like, I don't think I would have much of a thought of it either way. I suppose you feel bad for the kids a little bit, but again, I only, I, there's only so much, so much kind of uh, empathy bandwidth I have in life. Like it's, yeah, that sucks for the VCU kids. I don't, I don't, I don't really care. Like, you know, I feel, it, I feel bad. Does it bum enough. you out from, like a big picture, like the tournament standpoint, or are you just sort of like, well, that was going to happen. Hope it doesn't like happen again. Hey, listen, I'm surprised it hasn't happened more. It doesn't really bum me out that much. Like it's, I, I think all these teams are affected a little bit somehow. Um, it sucks. It's, it's almost weird that that's kind of the only instance of that they've had in the tournament so far, but it's, uh, I, I suppose, you know, uh, just for those supporting VCU or those who may have been, uh, betting in that direction they could probably have a little bit of a gripe because we've talked about this before i just don't think the whole you know from the ncaa down to the books i don't think anyone's totally figured out the best way to go about this particular scenario but yeah it's it's weird it's unfortunate and 
you know, uh, if it ends up, you know, knock on wood being a payout for somebody in the future, that's fantastic. And I feel bad for whoever may have lost out on that opportunity, but yeah, you know what? It's, I, I probably should have more empathy. I'm probably a little sociopathic about it, but I watch it and I just don't, I don't really care that much. I honestly, they probably shouldn't be playing at all. So it's, (laughs) (laughs) if we're being picky about it. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go that far necessarily, but I was surprised at how surprised I was. Right. Like I was like, Whoa, like, you know, even though, you know, we talk about it, we sort of get ourselves emotionally prepared for like, you know, what could happen. And it was sort of part of the reason why I was asking people like on a scale of, you know, one to 10, like how excited are they for the tournament? Because like, you know, there were sort of all options were on the table. Like you could be 10 out of 10 because we haven't had it for two years, but you could also be like three out of 10 because you could just be taking it from that standpoint of like, man, I'm dreading what's going to happen here or what could potentially happen here. And so um, even though we sort of could see this coming or we were sort of trying to prepare ourselves for it, I was kind of surprised um, how surprised I was when it actually happened. Uh, so let's dig into the East here, um, moving on from that sort of bumming, bummed out topic. Uh, best thing I did, Abilene Christian Moneyline, like not even close. That, you know, for all the upsets that happened and like the Oral Roberts game was cool or whatever. And I was certainly cheering for that, even though it was knocking out um, my survivor pick and it was going to cost me the $20 rebuy. I was absolutely cheering for Oral Roberts. But I think, you know, it's going to be hard to beat and certainly won't be beaten in the first round or the first weekend. That Abilene Christian game, um, just like... There's upsets, like I said, with where Oral Roberts is like, okay, like these guys are really playing a lot better than the other team. And it's like, can they keep that up for 40 minutes? But the Abilene Christian one was like, you know what? We're not good. And, but we're somehow in this game. And like, we might as well win it. They're like banking shots in. It was like the purest form of like a March Madness upset. And, you know, it comes down to free throws. And I don't know if it's different if there's 15,000 people in the in the crowd. But, like, you could see it on the kid's face. Like, he's obviously nervous. There's a timeout before. Like, he's getting absolutely frozen. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to make these free throws. And he pures them both as, like, a 60% free throw shooter. And, like, obviously, you know, you get these matchups where it's, like, interstate matchup where it's, like, Oh, big school against tiny school and very sort of like Hoosiersy, and it's all happening in Indianapolis and like just a really enjoyable uh, result. And, you know, listen, this Texas team, you know, you can fire them off into the sun. Like who cares about that? Like, <laughs> well, that and see, group. that's the thing. That's why it's so, so fun for Abilene Christian, right? Cause it's like, listen, Texas isn't one of the big blue bloods. We know that, but it is still, you know, almost literally the biggest school possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah of course and um like for this particular upset like you're right it probably I, I don't know what the atmosphere would be like obviously texas fans travel well i don't know how many i know you've gone to, like just for anyone listening when you go to a golf event like a live pga golf thing oh my god the people that support texas it's insufferable anyway so obviously <laughs> Texas people, they travel well, so it probably would have been, you know, uh, many people supporting Texas, obviously, the massive school, but I think the broadcast did really well with it. It was a ton of fun. The game itself, especially when you look at that final score, is very much, you know, it's an indictment on Texas. You want to go out there and put up 52 points? I don't care who you're playing. You might lose. And Yeah. 
they they'll they, bank a couple in. Yeah, they and weird stuff happens. And you're right, like you get to that moment where the kid's nervous at the line. In the nervous kids is one of the fun parts about the tournament, right? No, that's one thing we're missing out on a little bit without the crowd. I still think it's been quite awesome without the crowd, quite honestly. But like those moments where, you know, you have the most talented players playing in this particular level of basketball and you see with a couple minutes to go when they're scared and there's an upset brewing and they're all a little paralyzed in just the slightest full court press or defensive pressure just totally freezes these kids. And this game wasn't necessarily that this game, like you say, was a little bit more wacky. Um, but this yeah. is the kind of upset that's fun because some of the other upsets we've had, it's just, you know, kind of an unexpected school shit kicking a school that you thought was probably going to win this is this is a real true just kind of fun upset where you hate to say that these 19 year old kids blow it but one team kind of blew it and the other yeah. team by hook or by crook you know uh took advantage of it the banks are no yeah and they and listen they did what they they did what they do right like they turned texas over so they got like 30 more shots or something like that like it was ridiculous. And so, like, obviously, if you give up, you know, 25 or 30 more shot attempts, like, you're, you, you're sort of deserved to lose. But, sure. you know, does it, does it make it even kind of more awesome of an upset that they actually got blown out in the next game? Like, it just accentuated when they get smoked by U- UCLA. Like, it accentuated how insane of an upset that actually was. Kind of more than, like, Oral Roberts, like beating Florida the next day you go oh like Oral Roberts actually pretty good like they have a couple of players that are really good and like you'd want those two guys on your team and like individually from like Abilene Christian like there isn't anybody that I was like oh I'd love to have that guy like on you know my team or whatever like it's just like they pulled it off and then they got trounced in the next game because like they kind of weren't really all that good in the first place does that make it sort of more fun it does for me oh it makes it a ton more fun and it's also one of these tournament schools that a lot of people just haven't even heard of and every year there's one or two where they're like the who the what's and this is the one and again the texas not the biggest most storied basketball program in the world uh, but that's a school that everybody knows yeah uh not a ton in the in the bad beat department um if i'm not mistaken here uh we lost one game by a half point here the florida state unc greensboro game minus 10 and a half they win by 10 not necessarily a bad beat because, you know, UNCG probably the right side in that game. But, like, you just sit there and go, you know what? If Florida State just pays attention in this game, like, they win it by 25. And the fact that they gave up, like, 50-some-odd points, like, it felt like that was the absolute most amount of points that UNC Greensboro was ever going to score in that game. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, Florida State doesn't score any more than that. Um you know, from an ugly standpoint, this is like a three to four way tie. Uh, and we, I like this one, LSU killing St. Bonaventure, but like an ugly game from that standpoint. Um, BYU, just an atrocious bet on my part uh, as they lose to UCLA and it wasn't particularly close. Um, and then for like society as a whole, the universe that was on UConn against Maryland, one of the more predictable outcomes, even though I didn't bet this game at all, was that Maryland would win that game considering we had all like it was just this like slow like volcano you know pre-eruption everybody being like you know UConn UConn and listen I was guilty of that too I'm not sort of pointing fingers by any means but it's those scenarios where you you know you sort of get to a point where you go 
okay, like UConn's way overvalued here. Like I know there's nothing that exciting about Maryland, but they can put it together and play good defense and hit a few shots in one game. It's not like UConn is a number two seed quality team here. Like everybody pumped the brakes. And of course, Maryland wins that game comfortably. So a lot of ugly results for you know, I don't want to say like the public, if you will, um, but a lot of sort of grim. Well, I think so. There. We talked about it. We talked about uh, last week. There are block is hot teams. And Georgetown yeah. had as hot of a block as he could have going into the tournament. And that block cooled down very quickly. <laughs> another another great point. And like that, that worked out for us because like, you know, you know, we were on Colorado in that game. But yeah, like this was very much a region where it was sort of like, OK, everybody got uh, a little excited. Um, about a bunch of different teams and now we end up with you know with the exception of obviously texas going out and ucla making it to the sweet 16 like this is a pretty chalky you know group here right michigan florida state alabama and then ucla which you know while an 11 seed like they're still ucla um so at least you know something makes at least a little bit of sense when it comes to this region um any takeaways from this region or sort of looking forward on the left side of this bracket. Like you obviously talked about the Oregon futures, you know, that we talked about, but like that was before this bracket came out and it's like, okay, like that's great. But then the bracket comes out and it's like, Oh, guess what? You've got Gonzaga in your, in your region, right? Yeah. If the Oregon was in like the Midwest, we'd feel a lot better about that. But now you've got USC who absolutely trucked Kansas, you know, in their way. And then also Gonzaga. And it's just sort of like, man, they're still probably like 14 to one to win this, uh, win this region. For sure. um, so is there anything that you're looking forward to this weekend, whether it's this side of the bracket or the, you know, the opposite side of the bracket where you're like, you know what, like I got to grab onto this bandwagon. This thing could go a little bit further than uh, maybe we thought before the tournament. Um, well, I, I will just say quickly, when you look at the Texas losing Georgetown, losing um, the Illinois, uh, obviously have had a disappointing result. It really shows that I need to calm down on how much I think, conference tournaments matter going into the big tournament like obviously yeah. that could go either way but i put so much stock into that and you know who's riding the wave and then all of a sudden you know as these teams just take a big shit um i think that that usc oregon game uh could be one of the best games of the tournament i'm very excited for that um yeah i was on that oklahoma plus 14 yesterday and you talked about how that's mm. kind of a bad beat i don't put it in such a bad beat category i put it more in the kind of betting basketball disclaimer that, you know, uh, <laughs> this a, a 10 point game, a game that is a 10 point game in spirit can end up being a 16 point game or something like that. Yeah. Like it just, you know, happens often. But that was yeah. disappointing to watch. And also it was very impressive for Gonzaga. Just just the way I was watching the game, it just felt like, you know, they weren't really firing on all cylinders and Oklahoma was going back and forth as well as they can. Um And they just were not going to get within 10 points very often. Like it's just that the one team was just very good. Yeah. Um, for what do you think the chances oh. are like for Gonzaga to lose? Like, you know, I mean, again, it's such a limited, you know, we didn't see anything like we're not going to learn anything from those two games uh, where Gonzaga covers really big spreads. But like, you know, where are you sort of on the likelihood that Gonzaga wins this whole thing? You know, are you sort of along the lines like Sheldon? And I just talked about the idea that like, OK, like Gonzaga and Baylor, like that's where it was a month ago. And like, it's hard to imagine it being anything but that. Even That's pretty much where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I think I think Gonzaga can lose. The thing is, I think they're so good and they have so many pros on their team, essentially, that um, and 
I don't know how much Creighton's going to try to do this, but a team like Creighton that may try to slow them down a little bit and keep them below 80 points, I think they're just going to get trucked. Like yeah. I, just, I think, I just think that Gonzaga kids are too good for that. I do think if they come across, obviously USC or Oregon, um, obviously they'll still probably be. I, I don't know what you think. I think they'll probably be an eight to ten point favorite in that spot yeah. either way. But if you get both teams, if you get one team that's willing to go up over 80, 90 with them then all of a sudden he could leave a little bit more to chance than trying to slow them down. So they still could lose, but really they look so good. It's just hard to imagine them losing. Like at this point, they're such a juggernaut. Like it would be so wonderful just to watch them lose, just to shake things up. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't see it. A Baylor, I think is significantly more vulnerable than uh, Gonzaga is. And I always thought, I thought Michigan was vulnerable coming into the tournament and they haven't looked amazing. Um, right. But, you know, they're still there. Florida State, I know, was a was a little Final Four pick for a lot of people. And God, they, they don't play pretty ball, do they? No, no. It's sloppy. It's a mess. And, you know, didn't, you know, haven't talked about it really, the Colorado, you know, that game. Um, but, you know, it's, and you know this, like basketball, finicky sports finicky right we're like Colorado can't miss cannot miss against Georgetown like incredible shooting and never in doubt and then the next game like cannot hit a shot to save their life um senior point guard McKinley Wright one of the Matt Russell all-stars tough day for the Matt Russell all-stars from from his standpoint as it looks like he's never played a game before and I don't know (laughs) that it was like Florida State's length or like what the deal was there but he looked atrocious like he just was lost and nobody else could hit a shot and so like yeah like Florida State looked like they could have been beat yesterday even at halftime it's only a four-point game and like Colorado's doing nothing right and you know Michigan like they look like they were in trouble against LSU and, you know, you never expect LSU to actually close a game. And, of course, they don't. Um, but I'm really interested to see, you know, after a week, what happens with Florida State. Because they're certainly capable if they just played a little bit, like, less sloppy. And, you know, that's obviously probably a bad recipe against a Michigan team that you know is going to have, you know, organized. everything buttoned. Yeah, they're going to yeah. be organized. They're going to have everything buttoned up. So, um, at least this left side of the bracket has good matchups. The right side of the bracket is an atrocity. Well, I'm looking at the Midwest right now, and you're asking me, and I'm just going through this other side, too, because it wasn't totally off the top of my head. And um, Loyola Chicago, they're doing it again. But you watch them, I, and even the way they played all season, like, can we agree? Like, because this looks like it's an 8 and a 12 matchup. Loyola Chicago, that is a, they're a three seed if not maybe even a two, like they get thrown in here at an eight, but that team is just good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Sheldon, I just talked about how I'm like, yeah, like it's the fact that this tournament is as good as it is that when the committee seeds it so poorly relative to like how good this tournament could actually be. And like, we sort of put like loyal into a four or five type of a game where it's just like, let's just put them there at kind of bare minimum kind of like you say where it's like three four five it's like just put them in a four five game and like let's see what happens and i'm not trying to get like loyal and knocked out because you know matching up against a one is going to get them knocked out more often than not but For like sure. you know anyway just completely frustrating uh across the board so um or, you know by and large a really fun weekend um you know it's college basketball so there's points where you're just absolutely infuriated with what's happening on the court whether it's colorado not being able to make a shot or every referee calling a charge on every single play. Um, But at the end, you know, you sit back and you go, yeah, we did pretty well. Um, You know, some brackets are busted. Some aren't just quite yet in, you know, in totality. 
Um, but at the end of the day, we all had a really good time. And that's, uh, that's all we do on Tuesdays with Ted is just have a really good time. You know, Thanks, and speaking pal. of not having a good time, I'm just looking at this right now. And I see Saturday, March 27th, Syracuse, Houston, a 10 p.m. tip. I'm going to tell you what, I'm probably not going to watch that game. <laughs> there you go. Inspiring last words from Ted <laughs> Valentine on a Tuesday. Thanks as always, my friend. Thank you. Thanks to Ted and Sheldon for helping me wrap that weekend. If we made you any money this weekend, please give the pod a review where you can and share it around. Back into hockey for the next couple of days before we crank it back up with a Sweet 16 preview on Friday. Until tomorrow, I'll see you at the window. 